1: And away we go. Episode 442 of the Al Goldie podcast. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022. It is a commander's game day. In the nation's capital, the 4-5 and five Commanders at the 8-0 and, and NFL-leading Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football at 8.15. What, oh what, is in store for us as Commanders fans on Monday night? Is our team going to get worked? Is our team going to get run over? Is our team going to get crushed by the mighty Eagles? Or are we going to see a repeat of the infamous Monday Night Massacre Of November 2010, or are we maybe possibly gonna see the commanders pull off one of the more improbable wins in the NFL? this season. Hello and welcome to this Commander's pregame show, Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It is rare that we are together with an episode of the pod for the day of a Commander's game, but such is the case for a Monday night Commander's game. Are we in store for a barn burner on Monday night? Hey, what if Commander's Eagles on Monday night is like Vikings Bills on Sunday afternoon? Did you see that game? The Minnesota Vikings, a 33-30 overtime win at the Buffalo Bills. The Vikings overcame a 17-point third-quarter deficit. The emotional swings in that game, too many to count. But understand this off all of the NFL games on Sunday. The commanders, as we speak on this Monday, prior to their game at the Eagles on Monday night, are alone in eighth in the NFC. Yes, the commanders are all by their lonesome in 8th place in the NFC. The Commanders are the lone 4 and 5 team in the NFC. They are one game behind the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC's third and final wild card spot. The Commanders are in playoff contention whether you want them to be or not. Uh Coming up on the show, in-depth preview of Commander's Eagles. Next segment, I'll talk Commander's offense versus the Eagles defense, including some very good news for the Commander's offense and comments from offensive coordinator Scott Turner. After that, I'll talk Commander's defense versus the Eagles offense. Is the Commander's defense, which of course has been playing quite well, up to the task? of doing a good job against the Eagles offense, an offense that is among the best offenses in the NFL. You'll also hear key comments from defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. By the way, it does not sound... Like edge defender Chase Young will be making a season debut on Monday night. That certainly was a sense that you got from head coach Ron Rivera's post-practice press conference on Saturday. For the record, uh, the commanders have until 4 p.m. on Monday to activate Chase off the reserve physically, unable to perform list for the game on Monday night. Uh, Monday, by the way, is the one-year anniversary of Chase suffering his torn right ACL. He suffered the injury on November 14th. 2021 uh, also on the show. I have my rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Eagles. I'll give you a prediction for the game as well. Uh I will be talking Wizards, uh, the Wiz. They are flying man. Four consecutive wins including two over the weekend, Saturday evening a 121-112 win over the Utah Jazz at Capital One Arena. Sunday evening a 102-92 win over the Memphis Grizzlies at Capital One Arena. The Wizards now are 4 and 1 during this stretch without Bradley Beal. I will talk Capitals. Uh, Two games for the Caps over the weekend. Each game against the Tampa Bay Lightning and two very different outcomes for our Caps. Friday night, a 5-1 win over the Lightning at Capital Win Arena. But Sunday night, a 6-3 loss at the Lightning. Uh, things got nasty between the two teams. Camps goaltender Darcy Kemper had a crazy weekend, a lot to discuss. So, give you my thoughts on what was a not so good week 11 of the college football season for the teams of the Mid Atlantic region uh, Maryland, Virginia Tech. And Virginia all got embarrassed on Saturday. And Navy and Liberty each lost by three on Saturday. And I'll talk some college basketball. Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech all won in routes over the weekend. You can tweet me at Algaldi. You can email me, the Algaldi Podcast at Yahoo.com. Tweet from Stephen Mulhern on Commander's Eagles on Monday night, Right, Stephen, Thursday was my birthday. I'm going to the game Monday night. It would be great if we could win. Best gift ever. Can't wait until Danny Boy is gone. Hashtag happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you for that tweet, Stephen. A belated happy birthday to you and uh, enjoy the game. And yes, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, email from Funk. On Commander's head coach, Ron Rivera's uh, offensive and defensive coordinators, (laughs) writes Thelonious, I still don't believe in this coaching staff. How can Don Ron still believe in the aptitudes of Scott Turner and JDR. Granted, the defense is playing better. However, it still doesn't force turnovers, which means that the defense is lacking in playmakers or that the defense is vanilla or that the defense is just solid enough to stop pedestrian offenses, but isn't game changing and isn't ready for prime time offenses. Scott Turner is awful. (laughs) It, It has taken three years for him to really involve Antonio Gibson in the passing game. Gibson finally seems to be running the routes that J.D. McKissick was running the last two years. WTF took so long. A healthy Swiss Army knife, Curtis Samuel, is rarely used to create mismatches and Terry McLaurin is an afterthought until we, until we get behind by double digits. Ron fires Sam Mills a third, and magically, the defensive line seemed to improve overnight. Scott Turner should be on the hot seat, quarterback or not. With all of the weapons that the team has on the field, there should be some way to make this offense look more like an NFL offense. It is depressing to watch. <laughs> Thank you for the email, Thelonious Funk. My man Thelonious is spitting fire in anticipation of Monday night. Uh, look, I think that Jack Del Rio is doing a really good job with the defense. The lack of turnovers, yes, is a nit to pick. But, you know, turnovers can be flukish and random. When it comes to judging a defense, I think that you have to look at a lot of different things. And most of what you look at with the commander's defense is good. The two things that stand out is not being so good. Uh, one is that the defense hasn't created many turnovers. OK, that is a legitimate gripe. And the other thing is that the defense has given up too many big plays. So those two, Items are legitimate complaints with the defense. And no doubt, especially that second item, the giving up of too many big plays uh, could come back to hunt the commanders at the Eagles on Monday night because the Eagles offense is, shall we say, explosive. Uh, As for Scott Turner, uh, I read and responded to a number of Scott Turner emails on last Thursday's show, episode 440. And yeah, he needs to be better, okay? At some point, his Washington offense needs to produce. This is year three for him, As the team's offensive coordinator, this is a third consecutive season with him as offensive coordinator in which the offense isn't good. And yes, there are excuses, but there always are excuses. At some point, you got to produce. And the commander's offense this season isn't producing. Uh, Well, there's never an excuse for a real estate agent to do a bad job for you and a real estate agent with whom you should connect if you're looking to buy a home in the Washington DC area is Kellen Hunt. Uh, You know, now's actually a good time to buy a home. Yes, Mortgage rates have gone up, but that has led to an increase in housing inventory, and that increase is driving down prices. You right now can get really good homes in the Washington, D.C. area at bargain prices. And remember, you can always refinance once the mortgage rates come back down, and they will come back down. And so if you or someone who you know is interested in buying a home in the D.C. area, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's close it with Kell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want. No matter your age, family situation, or financial situation, Kellen Hunt can help you. He is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Give it inflation. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you by booking an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKel.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit CloseItWithKel.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Well, we hopefully on Tuesday's show, episode 443, we'll be discussing the very good news of the Commanders having won at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football, but I can at least discuss with you some good Commanders news right now. Uh, receiver Jahan Dodson finally will be back on Monday night. Uh, we on Saturday got the final injury report for the game. Jahan doesn't even have an official status for the game, meaning that he will be active. Uh, he had been inactive for each of the Commander's last five games due to a hamstring injury. Remember, he aggravated the injury in practice on October 20th. Now, the Commanders during Jahan's absence went 3-2, and two, but their top two point totals for the 2022 regular season remain the point totals of the team's first two games. Uh, the 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one and the 36-27 loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. Jahan, even with having played in just four of the commander's nine games in the 2022 regular season, is number one on the team in receiving touchdowns with four. Think about that. He has missed five of the team's nine games and yet is number one on the team in receiving touchdowns with four. Uh, Running back, J.D. McKissick is out. For Monday night, so he's going to miss a second consecutive game due to this neck issue that appears as if it could be rather serious. Remember, JD in the 2021 regular season played in just 11 of Washington's 17 games. He missed the team's final six games due to a concussion and a neck injury. He in that 17-15 win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on yes Monday Night Football uh, in Week 12 of last season got injured on a fourth quarter reception. He lay on the field for multiple minutes, was stretchered off the field, and. He ended up not playing again the rest of the season. Uh, And then two commanders' interior offensive linemen are questionable for Monday night. Left guard Andrew Norwell is questionable due to a groin ailment and center Tyler Larson is questionable due to a back issue. The commander starting center, if Larson can't play, would be Nick Martin, he of the many errant snaps. Uh, Martin was the commander starting center for the 21-17 loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field in Week 5. He in that game was guilty of three bad shotgun snaps that resulted in fumbles being charged to quarterback Carson Wentz. How is the commander's offense going to do against the Eagles' defense. Uh, The commander's offensive line was atrocious in that first game between the two teams this season. The 24-8 loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field in week three. The Commanders in that game allowed nine sacks. Yes, the Eagles finished the game with nine sacks, also finished the game with 17 quarterback hits. Uh, The Eagles' top two interior defensive linemen, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are very good. This was Commanders Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner during a post-practice press conference on Friday afternoon.
2: Yeah, week. I mean, that hit them, but then the guys on the outside are pretty good as well. You know, that front um, is very good. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, they move guys around. They, they try to create one-on-one matchups. Um, so we got to do a good job of, you know, making sure, again, we're in the right blocking schemes uh, against them and that we, you know, that we block them, you know, that we play physical and we, we come out of the gates uh, with that mentality
1: the guys on the outside for the Eagles defensive line are edge defenders Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. What kind of a game is commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke going to have at the Eagles on Monday night? Uh, You know, one of Taylor's more interesting games last season was a game against the Eagles. The 2016 loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field this past January 2nd, Taylor began the game on fire. He began the game 11 of 11 for 137 yards. He in the first half went 14 of 17 for 170 yards, but he in the second half went 13 of 19 for just 77 yards, and he threw a game-sealing and really season-sealing interception. Uh, Washington's eighth offensive drive of the game began with Washington trailing 2016 with 221 left In the fourth quarter, the 11th snap of the drive, first and 10 for Washington at the Eagles 20 with 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Taylor overthrew tight end John Bates, who did fall down, although he may not have made the catch anyway, on a deep shotgun pass, and the ball was intercepted in the end zone by safety Rodney McLeod, uh, who's a local, went to DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland, and then went to the University of Virginia. This loss for Washington officially eliminated it From playoff contention. Uh, Well, something that would figure to be a must in order for the Commanders to have any chance of winning this game at the Eagles on Monday night is the Commanders being better on third downs. The Commanders are a putrid 5 of 22 on third downs over the team's last two games, the Commanders through week nine were number 26 in the NFL in third down efficiency for the 2022 regular season. Scott Turner on Friday afternoon on how the Commanders can fix their third down problem.
2: You know, I got to make sure um, that I'm making the right calls where, you know. We're protecting the quarterback. Um, the ball is coming out. You know, best opportunity to get number one open. Um, and then, you know, we got to make plays when they're there, too. You know, so it goes, it goes hand in hand.
1: Yes, it does. Uh, the commander's offense versus the Eagles defense really is a statistical mismatch. Through week nine, we have the following rankings per football outsider's DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. Commanders number 28 in the NFL in total offense, Eagles number three in the NFL. In total defense, now two things to keep in mind about the Eagles defense. Uh, first of all, it is going to be without two corners on Monday night. Corners of Ante Maddox and Josh Job are out for Monday night. Now, Job has yet to play on a single defensive snap in the twenty twenty two regular season, but Maddox has played a lot for the Eagles. He's been their primary nickel corner, and going back. To Jahan Dodson being back on Monday night, we know that Jahan is uh, quite capable out of the slot. This might be a nice return game for Jahan, given the absence of Avante Maddox. Of course, we also have seen a good bit of receiver Curtis Samuel out of the slot this season. Either way, uh, while the Eagles do have two outside corners in Darius Slay and James Bradbury, who are having really good seasons, the Eagles are going to be without their top nickel corner, In Avante Maddox. The second thing to keep in mind with the Eagles' defense is this it has had issues against the run. The Eagles, through week nine for DVOA for the 2022 regular season, were number two in the NFL in pass defense, but were just number 27 in the NFL in run defense. Uh, The Eagles' last game was a 29-17 win at the Houston Texans on Thursday Night Football on November 3rd. Texans running back Damian Pierce, a rookie. The Texans took him in the fourth round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Florida. Uh, He had 27 carries for 139 yards. Uh, The Eagles had a 26-17 win over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football on October 16th. Cowboys running backs Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard combined for 24 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown. The Eagles can be run on. Might we on Monday night see Commanders running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson feast? Uh, The Commanders rushing offense this season, overall, not good. The Commanders through Week 9 were number 27 in the NFL in rushing offense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. Maybe, possibly, the ground game gets going on Monday night. Uh, Here was Scott Turner on Friday afternoon. What have you seen from Brian Robinson Jr. over his five NFL regular season games, during which he over 67 carries, his average just 3.27 yards per carry.
2: Uh, I think he's doing well. I think, you know, he, continue to, he can continue to be more decisive. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, maybe he sees a little bit too much and he's a big guy. And then when that takes away his speed, it makes it a little bit easier to tackle. I think just the more he plays, the more he's going to get comfortable and he'll continue to play faster and faster. And that, you know, his speed, but also his physicality will, will even show up more and more.
1: Yeah, would love to see Brian Robinson Jr. have a big game on Monday night. If you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast and grow your business or practice by reaching thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price, hit us up. The email address is the at Yahoo.com. Well, here's all that you need to know about the Philadelphia Eagles offense. The team in the 2022 regular season has played just eight games as compared to the commander's nine games. And yet the Eagles have scored 225 points To the Commanders, 159. The Eagles, in one fewer game than the Commanders have played, have scored 66 more points than the Commanders have scored. Big test for the Commanders' defense in this game at the Eagles on Monday Night Football at 8.15, especially considering that linebacker Cole Holcomb is out again. Uh, He, on Saturday, was declared out for the game. So he'll miss a third consecutive game due to a foot injury. Uh, Also out for the Commanders is another linebacker, David Mayo. He'll miss a second consecutive game due to a hamstring ailment. Uh, The Eagles offense this season has been quite the force. Uh, Quarterback Jalen Hurts might be the single most improved player in the NFL this season. He, through week nine, was number four among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in passing DVOA for Football Outsiders for the 2022 regular season. The Eagles through Week 9 per that Football Outsiders DVOA metric for this 2022 regular season. Number four in the NFL in total offense. Number three in the NFL in passing offense. Number five in the NFL in rushing offense. But the Commanders through Week 9 per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. Number two in the NFL in run defense. My biggest concern is with the Commanders' defense on Monday night is the giving up of the big play. Uh, That was a major problem in the first game between these two teams, the 24-8 loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3. But what also happened in that game was that the Commanders shut down the Eagles' rushing offense. The Commanders' run defense this season has been really good. Here was defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio during a post-practice press conference on Friday afternoon on facing the eagles rushing offense
3: right. it's it's a big task they've got a, a great big offensive line i think they're very well coached uh they've got excellent backs and then the quarterbacks are runners well so it's a it's a tough ground game to slow down so we just we dig into the prep of what the things we've got to be able to get done and and, and work at it and understand it's going to be a challenge.
1: Eagles running back Miles Sanders is having a big season. He in this 2022 regular season, 131 carries for 656 yards and six touchdowns. He's averaging 5.01 yards per carry. Eagles have two very good receivers in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have a very capable tight end. In Dallas Goddard, and the Eagles do not commit turnovers. Uh, Now, turnovers can come and go, and maybe, hopefully, a whole lot come for the Eagles on Monday night, but the Eagles have committed just three turnovers in the 2022 regular season. Three! And the Commanders have generated just seven takeaways in the 2022 regular season, and two of the takeaways came via special teams. The Commanders defense has generated just five takeaways. In the 2022 regular season, the Eagles turnover ratio is an NFL best plus 15. The commander's turnover ratio is minus four. Jack Del Rio on Friday afternoon on the importance of turnovers on Monday night.
3: They're always it's the most important uh, stat in football. And, um, you know, there's no secret that they're on top of the league right now in that category, and that directly leads to them being undefeated at this time. So, um, yeah, turn, winning the turnover battle will be huge for us and uh, a big challenge. They do a good job taking it away, and they don't, they're not very careless with it. So, um, so it's a big challenge.
1: Yes, it is. You know what's funny, though? The turnaround for the Commander's defense this season actually started with that game against the Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3. As good as the Eagles are offensively, the turnaround for the Commander's defense began with that first game against the Eagles. The Commander's defense beginning with that game has been quite good. More from Jack Del Rio on Friday afternoon.
3: I think... um I think our guys have been working hard. I think all year you've, I've been pleased with like the effort, the energy, the commitment, the the, the way we're attacking things. You know, you're you're going to improve when you work at it like that. And and um, you know, we're close to the halfway point, I guess. Um, and and um, you know, I, I I like some things. There's some things that we, we need to do better, and we're working at it. And but I love, I absolutely love the commitment, the effort, the energy the guys put forth. In terms of trying to understand the game plan, um, which changes, you know, from time to time and uh, for different opponents. But um, I think they I think the the players and coaches have done a great job of really working hard and not worrying about things we don't control and just kind of focusing in on on the preparation to, to get ready to compete.
1: Up next, my rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Eagles on Monday night, as yes, I will rhyme. Well, the phrase Monday Night Football sends shivers down the spines of most Commanders fans, and yes, the 4 and 5 Commanders are at the 8 and 0 and NFL leading Philadelphia Eagles for Monday Night Football at 8:15, but the truth is that Washington's Monday Night struggles have been much more of a FedEx Field thing than anything else. Washington is just 3 and 17 all-time in regular season games at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football. Although, one of the three wins did come last season. uh, The 17-15 win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football on November 29, 2021. Uh, Washington in recent seasons actually hasn't played that many road games on Monday Night Football. Uh, this game at the Eagles on Monday Night is Washington's first regular season road game on Monday Night Football since 2018. Although the Redskins in that season got ripped in two Monday Night road games October 8th, 2018, a 43 19 loss at the New Orleans Saints, and December 3rd, 2018, a 28 13 loss at Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Washington has lost nine of its last 11 games against the Eagles. How does it be that Washington gets back to beating the Eagles with a win on Monday night? My friends, it is that time. The time to rhyme. It is time for rhyming keys. My keys to a commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. Uh, They are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun, rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Eagles. How do the commanders win this game and shock the world? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for commander's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, a popular topic on the Al Goldie podcast in recent days, and this rhyming key number one is for the commander's offensive line. Capably handle the threat of Cox, Hargrave, Graham, and Sweat. Plenty of things went wrong for the commanders in their 24-8 loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field in week three, but nothing was worse for the commander's than their pass protection. Uh, The Commanders allowed the Eagles to finish the game with nine sacks and 17 quarterback hits. And according to Pro Football Focus and True Media, seven of the Eagles' nine sacks came without blitzing. Uh, The Commanders' offensive line got worked by Eagles interior defensive lineman Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and edge defenders Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. The Eagles have a really good defensive line it, in week three, ravaged the Commanders. Uh, Graham finished with two and a half sacks and five quarterback hits. Sweat finished with one and a half sacks and three quarterback hits. Uh, Now, of course, the former Eagle, Carson Wentz, was the commander starting quarterback for this game. He did not play well. Uh, His offensive line did not play well, but Scott Turner also did not call a good game. He inexplicably did not make greater usage of quick game or of Carson operating out of moving pockets, you know, bootlegs, sprint outs, etc. The commanders have no chance in this game on Monday night if their pass protection is as bad as it was in that loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field in week three. Now, the commander's current starting quarterback, Taylor Heineke, obviously is more mobile than Carson Wentz is, and so you would think that Taylor on Monday night will not be getting sacked nine times, uh, but it would be nice if he wasn't constantly pressured. It would be nice if he wasn't constantly running for his life, and it would be nice if Scott Turner took greater advantage of Taylor's greatest weapon his mobility. I've been begging for that on this podcast. Perhaps we will see that on Monday night. And so rhyming key number one, this for Scott Turner and the commander's offensive line, capably handle the threat of Cox, Hargrave, Graham, and Sweat. Rhyming key for commander's Eagles. Number two, this is for Taylor Heineke and commander's receivers. Do not let Bradbury and Slay have their way. Eagles corners Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They are having excellent seasons. Through week nine, Slay, for pro football focus, was number one among all qualified corners in the NFL in the 2022 regular season in lowest passer rating allowed, 36.2. And Bradbury was number three at 38.4. Slay and Bradbury, to me, have been the best cornerback duo in the NFL this season. Uh, This game on Monday night is a big spot for Taylor Heineke. It may be his last chance to make his case to being the commander starting quarterback this season. Of course, a good bit of that depends on if Carson Wentz is ready to come off the reserve injured list after this game, uh, which will mark the fourth and final game that Carson has to miss in being on the reserve injured list. He's been on that since October 22nd due to the fractured right ring finger. Uh, that he suffered in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6. It is terrific news that Jahan Dodson on Monday night will be returning from a five-game absence caused by a hamstring injury. That Commander's receiver trio of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dodson will be whole for the first time in a long time. For the first time in six games those guys need to be on their games. Need to generate separation. And Taylor Haney needs to be on his game. You know, smart decisions, accurate throws. He cannot be doing his Tay thing of not stepping into throws, which is part of the problem on the big fourth quarter interception to safety Harrison Smith in the Commanders' last game, the 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field in Week Nine. The Commanders on Monday night need to score some points. You can't plan on the commander's usual thing of scoring 17 points being enough to win this game. If it turns out that 17 points are enough to win this game, great. But you can't just count on that, okay? This Eagles defense is a major challenge though. We talked about that earlier in the show. And so rhyming key number two, this for Taylor Heineke and commander's receivers, do not let Bradbury and Slay have their way. Rhyming key for Commanders-Eagles, number three, this is for the entire Commanders defense. Do as you did in week three, with the exception of one thing, the big play, you see. It's a funny thing, but as we talked about last segment, the turnaround for the Commanders defense this season started with that 24-8 loss to the Eagles at FedEx Field. In week three, the Commanders defensive line for this game was depleted big time due to injury. But safety Cameron Curl made his 2022 regular season debut of having been inactive for the commanders first two games of the 2022 regular season due to a right thumb injury. And the commanders defense ended up doing a lot of good things. The commanders allowed Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts to complete just 22 of his 35 pass attempts. The commanders totaled seven pass defenses and three sacks. Corner Benjamin St. Juice had three pass defenses. The commanders held the Eagles to just five of 15 on third downs. The Commanders stopped the run. Uh, they held the Eagles to just 72 yards on 30 carries. That works out to a mere 2.4 yards per carry. But the Commanders allowed too many big passing plays. Too many explosives. As head coach Rod Rivera likes to say, the Commanders allowed the Eagles to have five passing plays each of at least 31 yards. Jalen Hurts over his 35 pass attempts Threw for 340 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Eagles receiver Devontae Smith finished with eight receptions for 169 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets. The commanders on Monday night have got to limit the big plays, have got to limit the explosives from an Eagles offense that is ultra potent. Jalen Hurts through week nine was number two among all qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in yards per pass attempt for the 2022 regular season, 8.54. And so rhyming key, number three, this for the entire Commander's defense, do as you did in week three, with the exception of one thing, the big play, you see. And one more, it is number four, rhyming key for Commander's Eagles, number four, this is for the entire Commander's team, pull off a win to remember as you did two years ago in a similar circumstance in December. A commander's win on Monday night would be perhaps Washington's most improbable win of the Ron Rivera era. What may well currently stand as the team's most improbable win of the Ron Rivera era is a game that happened in a similar circumstance. Uh, This game was played on a Monday evening, though not on a Monday night, Uh, And this game was a road game in the state of Pennsylvania against an unbeaten team. December 7th, 2020, the then-Washington football team improved to 5-7 with a 23-17 win at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had been 11-0 with an NFL best point differential of plus 129. Washington in that game overcame a 17-0 second quarter deficit, There is so much going on with the commanders off the field right now, obviously. I do think that this off the field stuff gets overrated as serving as distractions for players, but the off the field stuff doesn't help. Wouldn't it be something? And wouldn't it be quite the statement regarding the culture that Ron Rivera is building in the team's football operations if he galvanized his players to where they pulled off a shocking win on Monday night, especially off the recent death Of Ron's mother, Dolores Rivera. Basically, nobody is expecting the commanders to win this game. You know how the NFL works when basically nobody expects something to happen. That is precisely when you should expect that something to happen, like Washington's win at the Steelers two years ago. And so, rhyming key number four, this for the entire commanders team pull off a win to remember as you did two years ago in a similar circumstance in December. All right, it is prediction time. The Commanders per win bed as of very early Monday morning were plus 11. Uh, I don't know if the Commanders are going to win this game, but I like them to keep the game close. I said, I don't know if the Commanders are going to win this game, but I like them to keep the game close.
2: It means you're close.
1: Yes, thank you, Bruce Allen. Close. And so I will take the Commanders plus the points. Final score, Eagles 24, Commanders 20. Well, as a lifelong Bullet Slash Wizards fan, I am happy to say that the Wizards are rolling. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, Stephen A. Smith. That team, our team, uh, the Wizards have won four consecutive games. Uh, The Wizards have gone from four and six to now eight and six. Two more wins over the weekend. Saturday evening, a 121. 112 win over the Utah Jazz at Capital One Arena. Sunday evening, a 102-92 win over the Memphis Grizzlies at Capital One Arena. The Wizards on Saturday evening overcame a 9-point second quarter deficit and led for the entire second half. The Wizards on Sunday evening overcame a 9-point second quarter deficit and never trailed in the second half. And It's impossible to ignore that the Wizards are doing this without Bradley Beal. Uh, Beale over the weekend did not play due to return to competition conditioning of having been in the NBA's health and safety protocols. He now has missed five consecutive games, but the Wizards are four and one during that stretch. Uh, the Wiz also remain without maybe their best defensive player, Delon Wright. Uh, he has been out since suffering a grade two right hamstring strain in a 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena on October 25th. Now, the Grizzlies on Sunday evening were without two very key players in John Moran and Desmond Bain due to injury. But still, major credit to our Wizards for the work that they're doing. Uh, The Wizards' three-point shooting, so much better lately. First of all, the Wizards in that win over the Jazz on Saturday evening had their best offensive game of the season. The Wizards scored a season-high tying 121 points. The Wizards went 16 of 36 on threes. The Wizards scored 52 points in the paint, going 26 of 42 in the paint. Uh, The Wizards went 17 of 20 on free throws. The Wizards finished with 27 assists versus just nine turnovers. The Wizards did all of this against a Jazz team that came into the game at 10-3 and, and had been one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. Uh, and then the Wizards, in the win over the Grizzlies on Sunday evening, had an odd offensive game in which the Wiz were better on threes than the Wiz were on twos or on free throws. The Wizards went 19-40 on threes but the Wizards went just 17 of 46 on twos and went just 11 of 21 on free throws. But I think the big takeaway out of all of that is, finally, we are seeing the Wizards take a lot of threes and make a good number of threes. The Wizards have joined the rest of the NBA in the year 2022. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Sunday night.
3: Just more of a mindset, and I think we're, we're doing a better job of um, finding those those paint threes. Of uh, being a little bit more disciplined with our with our spacing. Um, the kick aheads in transition have been good, um, and, and our willingness to shoot it. I thought early in the year we were turning it down too many, um, and those led to more turnovers, you know, some of the tough, contested mid-range shots. Um, We're trying to avoid some of that. So I think it's uh, more of just a mindset, the pace that we're playing. All those things, I think, uh, have combined to help, you know, with the three-point shooting.
1: And a key part of the improved three-point shooting has been Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, He had the win over the Jazz on Saturday evening, returned from a one-game absence caused by a left groin strain And he was a force. Uh, He, in just 32 minutes, 36 seconds as a starter, went 4 of 8 on threes, 8 of 12 on twos, and 3 of 5 on free throws, and finished with 31 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks, 2 assists, versus one turnover, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 24. And then the zinger in the win over the Grizzlies on Sunday evening in 31-23 as a starter, 6-10 on threes. He did go just 1-5 of five on twos, but he also went 5-6 on free throws and finished with 25 points, 6 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards, 2 blocks, 2 steals, and 2 assists. Versus two turnovers. A very good defense from the Wizards on Sunday evening. Again, the Grizzlies were without John Moran and Desmond Bain but the Wizards held the Grizzlies to just 92 points just 9 of 28 on threes just 29 of 68 on twos and the Wizards defended for the most part without fouling the Wizards held the Grizzlies to just 10 free throw attempts and the Grizzlies went just 7 to 10 on free throws good game for Denny Avdia on Sunday evening 33 minutes 54 seconds as a starter 4 of 7 on threes did go just 4 of 9 on twos and just 1 of 3 on free throws but he finished with 21 points and five assists versus three turnovers. Another good game for this guy Jordan Goodwin on Sunday evening. 26-08 off the bench, three of four on threes. He did go 0-3 on twos, but he finished with 10 points, eight rebounds, and four assists versus no turnovers. And Goodwin for a third consecutive game played more than Monte Morris did in the fourth quarter, Wes Unsell Jr. has been riding Jordan Goodwin more so than Wes has been riding Monte Morris in these recent fourth quarters. Now, Morris was good on Saturday evening. He had the win over the Jazz 29-11 as a starter. Did go just 1-3 of on threes and just 1-6 of on twos, scored just five points, but he had nine assists versus no turnovers and seven rebounds. You know, it's not so much that Monte Morris has been like awful as it has been that Jordan Goodwin has been quite good. I mean, he's been like... A revelation for the Wizards. Uh, mixed weekend for Kyle Kuzma. He and the win over the Jazz on Saturday evening was questionable for the game due to illness. Thirty-three ten. As a starter, went just one of seven on threes, committed four turnovers, but he also went seven to twelve on twos and six to seven on free throws, finished with twenty-three points, eight rebounds and six assists. And then Kuzma in the win over the Grizzlies on Sunday evening, 34-25 as a starter. He for a second consecutive game went just one of seven on threes and committed four turnovers, but he went three to six on twos, finished with nine points, eleven rebounds and three assists. Uh, The Wizards are playing well. It is nice to see this. Next up for the Wiz, home to the Oklahoma City Thunder, Wednesday night at 7. Well, a crazy weekend for the Capitals. They played two games, each against the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, which has won the Eastern Conference Championship in each of the last three seasons and won back-to-back Stanley Cup titles in 2020 and 2021. And the results of these two games against the Lightning, rather different for the CAPS 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 Caps. Friday night... The Caps ripped the Lightning 5-1 at Capital One Arena, but Sunday night, the Caps lost at the Lightning 6-3. Uh, the Caps now are 7-8-2. and A lot to get to with these two games against the Lightning. First of all, the Caps' head coach was out for both of these games. Uh, yeah, the Caps, who have been ravaged by injury this season, now have been without their head coach for the last two games, Caps head coach Peter Laviolette not with the team for either game over the weekend due to being in the NHL's COVID protocol, and so Caps assistant coach Kevin McCarthy assumed the Caps head coaching duties. Additionally, the Caps remained without seven key players due to injury. Defenseman Dmitri Orloff and six forwards Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Carl Hagelin and Beck Mallenstein. However, the Caps did get back defenseman John Carlson. Uh, He on Friday night returned from a six-game absence caused by a lower body injury that he suffered in a 3-0 win at the Nashville Predators on October 29th. And Carlson on Friday night played for a team-high 26 minutes, 12 seconds. He had a primary assist. He had a team-high tying three hits, and he finished number three on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 68 The Caps with Carlson on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 17 shot attempts versus allowing eight shot attempts, but Carlson on Sunday night had a team-worst tying plus-minus rating of minus three. The Caps' starting goaltender for both of these games against the Lightning was Darcy Kemper. Uh, Two very different games for him. On Friday night was good. He stopped 28 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced in a nice bounce-back performance off what had happened in his previous outing, the 4-1 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins at Capital One Arena last Wednesday night. Kemper in that game stopped 24 of the 27 shots on goal that he faced, but it wasn't just that. He in that game per natural stat trick stopped just six of the eight low-danger shots on goal that he faced. Well, Kemper on Sunday night was back to struggling. Uh, He stopped just five of the nine shots on goal that he faced and got pulled in the first period in favor of Charlie Lindgren, who ended up being good. Uh, Lindgren stopped 24 of the 25 shots on goal that he faced, and Kemper on Sunday night again had trouble with the low-danger shot. He, per natural stat trick, stopped just two of the five low-danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, The Caps on Sunday night got demolished in the puck possession battle. The Caps, per natural stat trick had just 33 five-on-five shot attempts to the Lightning's 52, including just four five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Lightning's 10. Uh, the Caps totaled 22 shots on goal to the Lightning's 35. This was Kevin McCarthy during his post-game session with reporters on Sunday night, uh, especially on a first period in which the Caps got outscored 4 nothing.
3: We came out and we weren't even close to being ready to play. I mean, uh, it's pretty obvious there. I mean... It was like we we're trying to catch a moving train out there. I mean, we were we were late to everything. They were first on pucks. They won every puck battle. They won every race for a puck. They they did uh, you know they did everything that uh, that we talked about what we needed to do. I mean, uh, you know it was uh, it was all around you know just a terrible terrible 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, these two games for the Caps against the Lightning over the weekend, uh, chippy affairs. Uh, The game on Friday night ultimately featured 21 total penalties, 12 two-minute minors, six five-minute fighting majors, a five-minute match penalty, and two 10-minute misconduct penalties. Uh, Caps winger Nicholas Obey-Kubel, who the Caps claimed off waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs on November 5th, played for just four minutes, 28 seconds before receiving a five-minute match penalty, 156 into the second period for a headshot on Lightning defenseman Cal Foote in the neutral zone. Uh, Obey Kubel smashed his right shoulder onto Foot's face. Uh, yes, the face of Foote. <laughs> uh, the hit led to a fight involving cap swinger Garnett Hathaway, who received a five-minute fighting major and a 10-minute misconduct penalty. And the NHL Department of Player Safety on Saturday morning announced that Hathaway had been fined four $4,054.05, the maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement. Also, the NHL Department of Player Safety on Saturday night announced that Obey Kubel had been suspended for three games without pay. Then, in the Caps' 6-3 loss at the Lightning on Sunday night, more chippiness. Uh, take, for example, Caps defenseman Matt Irwin. He had a game-high 10 hits, a team-best time, plus-minus running a plus-two, and two five-minute fighting majors. Heck, winger Alex Ovechkin on Sunday night, he received a second period four-minute high-sticking double minor. Uh, Ovi also had five hits, and he had a team-high seven total shot attempts. Ovi on Friday night had a secondary assist, a game-high 12 total shot attempts, and finished number six on the Caps in 5-on-5 shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 57.69. The camps with Ovi on the ice in 5-on-5 situations in the game had 15 shot attempts versus allowing 11 shot attempts. So it was an active weekend for Alex Ovechkin. The Caps penalty kill on Friday night was great. The Camps went 3-3 on the penalty kill, including killing a 5-minute lightning power play in the second period. But the camps on Sunday night got walloped on special teams the Caps went just 2-4 on the penalty kill, and the Caps went 0-6 oh on the power play. This off the Caps on Friday night having gone... 0 oh, 6 on the power play. Yeah, all five of the Caps' goals in that 5 1 win over the Lightning on Friday night were even strength goals. You know, the Caps, since going a spectacular 4 of 5 on the power play in the 5 4 win over the Edmonton Oilers at Capital One Arena last Monday night, are 0 of 16 on the power play. Uh, one other thing about the Caps' weekend winger Sonny Milano on Friday night. Uh, He was tremendous in the win over the Lightning. Two even-strength goals, a secondary assist, a team-high four shots on goal, and a team-high time plus-minus rating of plus three. Milano scored an even-strength breakaway goal, 7 3 into the second period, off coming out of the penalty box, which he had been in in serving the five-minute match penalty for winger Nicholas Obey-Kubel. Milano made multiple nice moves in putting the puck past the right pad of Lightning goaltender Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Sonny Milano, I mean, another guy who was with the Caps due to all of the team's injuries. The Caps on October 16th signed Milano as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year $750,000 contract. They then placed him on waivers for the purpose of loaning him to the team's AHL affiliate. The Hershey Bears and the Caps on November 2nd recalled Milano from Hershey and he came up big on Friday night. Next up for the Caps at the Florida Panthers, Tuesday night at 7. we move now to college football. Uh, week 11 ended up being a brutal week for the teams of the mid Atlantic region. Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Virginia all got stomped and Navy and Liberty lost close games. We begin with Maryland, which fell to six and four overall and three and four in the Big Ten with a 30 nothing loss at number 14 Penn State on Saturday. Yes, the Terrapins got blanked at Penn State on Saturday. Uh, the Terps for a second consecutive game got manhandled on the road in a bad weather game as it was a rainy day at Beaver Stadium in University Park, Pennsylvania. Terps offense for a second straight game was horrendous. So the Terps scored no points. The Terps generated just 134 total net yards of offense and averaged just 2.23 yards per play, 2.23 yards per play. That is a microscopic yards per play. Uh, The Terps went just 4-16 of on third downs and 0-3 on fourth downs. Uh, The Terps lost the time of possession battle by 12 minutes, 10 seconds. Uh, Terps quarterback Talia Tungavailoa for a second consecutive game looked terrible. Now, a lot of this had to do with the Terps offensive line, which had Talia constantly under siege. He took seven sacks, but Talia also struggled himself. He went just 11-22 for just 74 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He, in fact, got benched in the fourth quarter in favor of, of Billy Edwards Jr. Uh, the only bright spot for the Terps offense was running back Roman Hemby having 13 carries for 68 yards. And just as the Terps offensive line got worked for a second consecutive game, so too did the Terps defensive line. The Terps finished with no sacks. The Terps allowed Penn State running backs Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, and Tyler Holsworth to combine for 30 carries, for 209 yards and two touchdowns. Singleton totaled 122 yards and two touchdowns over just 11 carries. He averaged 11.09 yards per carry. Very disappointing performance by Maryland which has routinely gotten smashed by ranked Big Ten teams since joining the Big Ten. We thought that this season might be different given the Terps' respectable performance in the 34-27 loss at that number four Michigan on September 24th, but uh, this loss at Penn State was brutal. Uh, here was Terps head coach Mike Loxley, during his post game press conference on Saturday evening.
0: We did not play in any phase up to the standard that we have for ourselves. As I told our team, now ain't the time to panic, but it is time that we, starting with myself, take a deep look at everything we're doing on offense on defense, on special teams and find a way to get us back on the right track. Um, I have no problem with the way we've prepared. I have a big problem with the way we've executed. And again, we got to take a hard look and it starts with me inside. Uh, now it's not the time for us to panic. We still got a, two games left. We're still in a great situation, but it is time to really take a hard look inside to make sure that we're playing the right guys, we're doing the right things uh, in all three phases and, and get it fixed to get us back on the right track.
1: Yeah, well, getting back on the right track will not be easy. Uh, next up for Maryland, home to number two Ohio State this Saturday afternoon at three thirty. Wild game for Navy on Saturday afternoon. The Midshipmen fell to three and seven overall with a thirty-five. 35- 32 loss to number 20 Notre Dame at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland. Now the loss clinched Navy having a third consecutive losing season, but the mids in this game made quite the charge. They lost the first half 35-13. They then won the second half 19-0, including cutting their deficit to three at 35-32 with 121 left in the fourth quarter. But the mids ensuing onside kickoff ended up not being successful. Uh, Navy for the game was a 17-point underdog for multiple shops. Uh, We again saw two quarterbacks for Navy with Ty Lovatai having suffered a season-ending injury in Navy's 27-20 overtime win over Temple at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on October 29th. The mid-starting quarterback, for a second consecutive game was Xavier Arline, though. We, for a second consecutive game, also saw a good bit of Masai Maynard as Arline for a second consecutive game. It dealt with some kind of an ailment. Uh, Arline, in the fourth quarter of this game, got hurt. Uh, Arline, for the game, 12 carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. He went two or four passing for 50, 70 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He took one sack. Maynard had four carries for seven yards. He went four or seven passing for 51 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions and took no sacks. A big game for Navy fullback Daba Fofana, 15 carries for 133 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 8.87 yards per carry. And then there was Navy's defense, which had two totally different halves. The discrepancy was incredible. The mids in the first half allowed Notre Dame to score 35 points, go 5-7 on third downs, and generate 333 total net yards of offense, but the Mids in the second half held Notre Dame to no points, just one of six on third downs, and just two total net yards of offense. Yes, Navy went from allowing Notre Dame in the first half to have 333 total net yards of offense to allowing Notre Dame in the second half to have two total net yards of offense. Uh, Also, the Mids in the second half totaled all five of their sacks. The Mids in just the fourth quarter had four sacks and an interception, and Navy had more special teams problems as the Mids in the first quarter had a missed extra point attempt and in the second quarter had a punt that was blocked. Like I said, wild game. Uh, This was Navy head coach Kenny Amatololo during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon.
4: First of all, just proud of our players. I don't know if I've ever been more proud of a football team after a game win or loss as I was this game. I just thought our kids battled to the very end. Uh, dra- great testament to who they are, their character, their fortitude, their resolve, their resiliency. Great testament to their parents raised fine young men. Great testament to the school that's going to battle to the end. I mean, um, that's a good football team. Coach Freeman's a good coach. And just proud of our guys just proud of our guys obviously we didn't make enough plays and against guess a team like that you can't make mistakes and just a couple too many mistakes against them um, but again to our kids credit they came back and battled heads off to notre dame but really really proud of our football program and our team i wish we had a chance to get the ball back one more time you know and just um just proud of our team and
1: what they did. Yeah, the midshipmen do fight. There's no doubting that. Next up for Navy at number 22, UCF this Saturday morning at 11. Uh, so Navy on Saturday afternoon lost by three. So too did Liberty, uh, the Flames. They fell to 8-2 and two overall with a 36-33 upset loss at UConn. Uh, Liberty now is out of the Associated Press Top 25 poll of having been in that for each of the last two weeks. Uh, Liberty was, among others, receiving votes for the AP poll that came out on Sunday afternoon. Liberty for this game at UConn, it was a 13-point favorite in multiple shops, but the Flames at the end of the first quarter trailed 14-3. They then blew fourth-quarter leads of 27-21 and 33-28. Not a good game for Liberty's defense against the UConn offense that had been woeful this season, the Huskies through Week Ten were 127th out of 131 FBS teams in offensive efficiency for the SP Plus rankings of ESPN college football analyst Bill Conley for this season. Uh, Liberty's third-string quarterback Jonathan Bennett again was the team starting quarterback, although the man who he replaced, Caden Salter, did play in the game, off having been out due to a groin injury for which he underwent surgery. Uh, Bennett. 22 of 36 for 201 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He took one sack. He had five official carries for 25 yards. Salter, one of three passing for six yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He took one sack. He had two official carries for zero yards. Now, Liberty was extremely depleted at running back for this game. Uh, running back, Dayday Hunter, he suffered a season ending torn LCL in Liberty's previous game, the 21 19 win at Arkansas on November 5th. And the Flames uh, also were without running back Shedro Lewis due to personal reasons. His father recently passed away, but Liberty did get a big game from running back TJ Green, 24 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown, and Liberty got a big game from receiver DeMario Douglas, seven receptions for 70 yards on 13 targets, and two carries for 105 yards and a touchdown, which was an early fourth quarter, first and 10, 75-yard shotgun read option touchdown run. Next up for Liberty, home to Virginia Tech. This Saturday at noon. And speaking of the Hokies, they fell to two and eight overall and one and six in the ACC with a twenty-four-seven loss at Duke on Saturday afternoon. Virginia Tech now has its first seven-game losing streak since nineteen fifty-one. Let me say that year again, nineteen fifty-one. Uh, the Hokies led early in the first quarter, seven nothing, but they then lost the rest of the game. 24-0. Hokies quarterback and Marshall transfer, Grant Wells, another bad game. He completed just 16 of his 28 pass attempts. He now has a completion percentage of just 58.3 for this season. He over his 28 pass attempts threw for just 177 yards. He now has a yards per pass attempt of just 6.48 for this season. And Wells had an early first quarter second and eight 53-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to receiver Daywan Lofton on a great throw while under duress. But Wells' other 27 pass attempts went for just 124 yards. That works out to just 4.59 Yards per pass attempt. Uh, Wells finished with the one touchdown pass versus one interception, so he now has just nine touchdown passes versus nine interceptions this season. And Wells quarterback to Hokies offense that went just 4 12 on third downs. A uh, text running game was effective, but could only be used so much given the nature of the game. Running back Malachi Thomas did not play due to injury. Running backs Jalen Holston, Keyshawn King, Chance Black and Bryce Duke combined for 18 carries for 93 yards. I mean, that works out to 5.17 yards per carry. Uh, Tech's defense played well enough to win, but could only do so much. And the defense was on the field a ton. Tech lost the time of possession battle by 17 minutes, 58 seconds. Tech allowed Duke to go 8-16 on third downs. Tech held Duke quarterback Riley Leonard to just 19-31 passing and generated an interception. But Tech also allowed Leonard to throw for 262 yards and two touchdowns. Did not. Sack him a single time and allowed him to have nine carries for 48 yards and a touchdown. A rough first season for Brent Pry as Hokie's head coach continues. Here he was during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon.
5: I expect us to play better. I do. Um, I also have a pretty good idea where we're, you know, where we're at. And uh, it's my job to encourage this team to be positive and to get us better. Um, and that's what we're doing there. There are good things. There'll be good things on this film that we can build on. But uh, we certainly got some work to do. You know, we've got to build depth. We've got some good players. We don't have enough of them. And um, I think we have to look at what we're doing, you know, schematically. But it's what I said to the guys in the locker room. You know, we, we have to be better just fundamentally ground zero stuff. And, uh, you know, I, that that goes back to me. i got to make sure we're good in those areas. That's 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 who I am as a coach that's what I believe in is fundamentals and and basics and sound and and we're not doing those things Um, not good enough so I think uh, you know we got to recruit we gotta develop we gotta continue to improve our culture continue to improve our practice habits our knowledge of the game uh, our knowledge of the game has to continue to grow Um, you know there's certain things that, that we are coaching and teaching and doing that uh, you know as we move forward should be part of who we are and you're not coaching those things anymore. Those are 100 level items that you know after a year or two in the system and in the program that guys understand and uh, you know you can start kind of working on some other things.
1: Yeah, Virginia Tech this season is just a bad team, as is Virginia. I can't decide which team is worse right now, Virginia Tech or Virginia. Each team scored exactly seven points in a blowout loss on Saturday afternoon. The Cavaliers fell to 3-7 and seven overall and 1-6 and in the ACC with a 37-7 loss to Pitt at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia. And so it is now official the Cavs will not be bowl-eligible this season, the Cavs got destroyed. Uh, they lost the first quarter, twenty-eight nothing. Yeah, at the end of the first quarter, the score was pit twenty-eight, Virginia nothing. Uh, the Cavs deep in the third quarter trailed thirty-one nothing. And how about what happened with Cavs quarterback Brennan Armstrong? He had maybe the worst game of his career. Incredibly, inconceivably, each of Brennan Armstrong's first two pass attempts resulted in a first quarter pick six. I mean, you talk about a nightmare of a start to a game for a quarterback. The first two offensive plays of the game were Brennan Armstrong pick sixes. The Cavs trailed 14-0 with 14-44 left in the first quarter. Armstrong finished the game with one touchdown pass versus two pick sixes. So he threw for more touchdowns for Pitt than he did for UVA. Uh, Armstrong now has just seven touchdown passes versus 12 interceptions this season. He completed just 17 of his 33 pass attempts. He now has a completion percentage of just 54.6 for this season. He, over his 33 pass attempts, threw for just 152 yards. He now has a yards per pass attempt of just 6.52 for this season. Uh, Armstrong took eight sacks, He quarterbacked a UVA offense that went just two of 13 on third downs. Uh, Now, got to mention this, UVA for a second consecutive game was without three key receivers and a key running back due to injury. Uh, Receivers Dontavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson, and Lavelle Davis Jr. and running back Paris Jones all did not play in the game. But still, Brennan Armstrong Was really bad. And I tell you, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he had such a good 2021 season. He came back for this 2022 season when he didn't have to come back. And he has had a nightmare of a season. And I do think that a lot of that falls on Virginia's first year head coach, Tony Elliott, who has not done a good enough job of tailoring the offense to Brendan Armstrong's strengths. Uh, I do think a good bit of Armstrong's bad season has to do with his teammates who have not been very good. I mean, the amount of drops by UVA this season has been maddening. But what's also true is that Armstrong hasn't played well. Brennan Armstrong for the 2021 season was 23rd among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS, in ESPN's total QBR. Armstrong for this season through week 11 is 100th among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS, in ESPN's total QBR. Uh, UVA finished this game against Pitt with just 144 total net yards of offense, averaged just 2.53 yards per play. You know, it's hard to truly judge the Wahoos' defense in this game, given that the Hoos' offense did so little. But the defense did have issues. The Hoos did lose the time of possession battle by 12 minutes, four seconds. So the defense was on the field a bunch. But the Hoos allowed Pitt running back Israel Abanakanda and his return from a one-game absence caused by injury to have 24 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. The Hoos did hold Pitt quarterback Keaton Slovis to just 14-24 to 24 passing, but they let him throw for 208 yards of touchdown and no interceptions and generated no sacks. Slovis averaged 8.67 yards per pass attempt. Uh, the Hoos did hold Pitt and to just 6-15 on third downs. An ugly game in an ugly season for Wahoo Wah. And we, during the post-game press conference at Tony Elliott on Saturday afternoon, had the following exchange involving a man who I have had on this podcast, a Virginia football and basketball insider, Mike Barber of Richmond.com.
0: Coach, obviously all you can do is kind of go back to work on this thing, but in the big picture... Are you concerned with the damage that kind of happening in terms of recruiting attendance? That things because of this I season, don't. I'm not. I'm not worried. Um, I mean, I came here
6: with a, with a, with a vision in mind, a goal in mind, and you know what? Uh, it may not be going exactly how uh, I planned it to be, but. I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not going to lose uh, focus. I'm not going to, uh, you know, tuck my tail. And, and you bat me in a the corner, then I'm going to turn, and I'm going to turn and fight. That's all I've ever done my entire life and uh, going to be accountable for the things that i got to change. And, you know, the attendance, that's on me. You know, the fans are expecting to see a good product on the field, and, you know, we've been inconsistent in what we're putting on the field, so I don't blame the fans. You know, that's on me. It's my job to make sure that we have a, have a winning product for those, uh, those individuals to come and attend. And from a recruiting standpoint, hey, uh, all I can do is sell uh, what my vision is and and there's going to be some guys uh that 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 believe in in what we're trying to build here and those are going to be the guys that uh that we want here at the University of Virginia. So, uh, I'm not going to change my message in recruiting. I'm not going to change my message to the team. Uh, we're going to go back to work on Monday and and what we're going to what we're going to work on is making sure that the core values uh that we talk about in this program become values and not just not just words. Uh, Cuz for me they're values. Um and I'm going to stand on those values. I'm going to fight for those values uh, regardless of what the circumstances are.
1: Yeah, it's not good when a first-year head coach is already being asked about the damage <laughs> that's being inflicted to recruiting and attendance by how bad his team is. And next up for Virginia, home to Coastal Carolina this Saturday afternoon at three thirty. Coastal Carolina, in case you do not know, is having a good season. Coastal Carolina is nine and one overall and is number twenty-three in the latest Associated Press Top Twenty-five poll, uh, which came out on Sunday afternoon. And so the only FBS team in the state of Virginia that won on Saturday was James Madison. And what a win for the Dukes. Uh, They improved to six and three overall and four and two in the Sunbelt Conference with a 37-3 win at Old Dominion, which fell to three and seven overall and two and four in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, JMU snapped a three-game losing streak. ODU now has lost four consecutive games. This game was total domination by James Madison, especially its defense, which allowed just three points and totaled four sacks and three interceptions, including a pick six. JMU quarterback Todd Senteo didn't have any touchdown passes and did throw an interception, but he completed 18 of his 21 pass attempts for 304 yards. That works out to a whopping 14.48 yards per pass attempt. And he had a rushing touchdown. Next up for James Madison, home to Georgia State, this Saturday afternoon at 2. And next up for Old Dominion at Appalachian State, this Saturday afternoon at 2.30. And let's talk some college hoops before we call it a show. A blowout wins for Virginia Tech, Georgetown, and Virginia over the weekend. Uh, the Hokies played on Sunday evening. They improved to 3 and 0 with a 94-77 route. Of William and Mary at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. Tech went 16 of 32 on threes. Hunter Couture, 6 of 10 on three. Sean Padula, 4 of 7 on threes. Each guy finished with 22 points. Next up for the Hokies, a game against Old Dominion in Charleston, South Carolina on Thursday afternoon at two. Georgetown improved at two and 0 with a 92 58 blasting of Green Bay at Capital One Arena on Saturday in a game that started at 11 a.m. You know, the Hoyas actually led by just two points at the half, 31-29. But the Hoyas then won the second half, 61 29. The Hoyas in the second half went 5 of 8 on threes and 21 of 29 on twos. Also went just 4 9 on free throws. So the Hoyas in the second half were more efficient on threes and twos than the team was on free throws. Good game for the LSU transfer. Brandon Murray, 32 minutes as a starter. 3 of 4 on threes, 4 of 8 on twos. He finished with 19 points, 7 assists versus 1 turnover and 4 rebounds. Duquesne transfer. Primo Spears, 36 minutes after as a starter, over two on threes, but nine of eleven on twos. He finished with 21 points. Five assists versus three turnovers and three rebounds. And a very efficient game for Maryland transfer Kudis Wahab, uh, who had transferred from Georgetown to Maryland. Uh, Kudis in just 22 minutes as a starter, 8-12 on Tuesday, finished with 18 points and seven rebounds, including four offensive boards. Next up for Georgetown, home to Northwestern, Tuesday evening at 6.30 in the Gavitt tip-off games. And also over the weekend was number 18 Virginia, improving to two with an 89-42 destruction of Monmouth at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia on Friday night. Uh, Some of the stats from this game are crazy. The Cavaliers finished with 35 points off turnovers to Monmouth's two, as the Cavs committed a mere six turnovers to Monmouth's 21. Uh, The Cavs went 13 to 25 on threes. The Cavs won by 47 points despite not a single Cavs starter finishing with more than nine points. Head coach Tony Bennett gave his reserves a lot of playing time. Cavs reserves ended up outscoring Monmouth reserves 48-12. Next up for Virginia, home to Northern Iowa, Monday night at and that will do it for you and me for now keep the feedback coming you can tweet me at al Galdi. you can email me the al podcast at yahoo.com tuesday show episode 443 will feature in-depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens with the four and five commanders in their game at the eight and do and NFL leading Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football at eight fifteen. I plan on being up all night on Monday night going through the game and putting together the show so that the Tuesday installment of the pod will be out early Tuesday morning. Uh, doing that will be a lot more fun if the commanders win, uh, so we hope for a win, but we of course shall see. I also on Tuesday's show will hit on some college basketball. Number 18, Virginia, home to Northern Iowa, Monday night at 8. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday.
2: It means you're close.